I've put something up on the board, and this is what our lesson is about. It's actually about a continuation of the pagan origins of Christmas. Uh, the kings of Israel. I'm going through a lot of the kings. This is very important that we understand the kings. You've got good and evil kings in Israel. The kings of Israel... Of course, Israel has to do with northern Israel and southern Judah. Southern Judah has two tribes. Or southern Judah is the same thing as southern Israel. So just think of, they named the southern kingdom after the leading tribe of the entire nation, which was Judah. Out of Judah would come the king. David was of the tribe of Judah. And Jesus is called the Lion of Judah because he comes from that same bloodline. That's very important to remember that. Uh, Judah was comprised of the tribe of Judah, tribe of Judah, and the tribe of Benjamin. And they were Benjamin and Judah. The amazing thing is that Jerusalem and the temple wasn't in Judah, even though the king would come from Judah. Jerusalem and the temple was in the tribe of Benjamin. That's why God reserved uh, a tribe of the tribe of Benjamin to the southern kingdom. So that would be the only reason. Why God blinded the eyes of Israel and extended the truth to the Gentiles. The best verse on that is Romans eleven, eleven, Talking about the Jews, it says, David saith, let their table be a snare, in verse 9, and a trap and a stumbling block and a recompense unto them. Let their eyes be darkened, the Jews that they may not see and bow down their back always. You're going to find that uh, in several times in the Scripture. I say then, have they, the Jews, stumbled that they should fall? Is the only reason they stumbled is just merely to fall. God forbid. But rather through their fall, and the fall would be going after the sun and the tree gods. After that, after, but rather through their fall, salvation is come to the Gentiles. The whole purpose of the Jews falling into sun and tree worship was arranged by God. And he blinded their eyes. He told Isaiah, Isaiah, you go preach to these people. And I'm going to give them eyes that they cannot see and ears that they cannot hear, lest they should be converted and I should heal them. I don't want to heal them of their paganism. And he says, so salvation would come to the Gentiles to provoke them to jealousy. Now, I'm over here, what I want you to do is I want you to turn with me over to Second Kings. We've been talking about these kings. We've gone through. I gave you a paper here. I hope you've got it with you. A paper. And on the right side of the paper is the lineage of Judah. And it comes to an end on northern Israel. 
That's when northern Israel was carried away into captivity. Hoshea was the last king of northern Israel. And the last king of southern Judah was Zedekiah. Now, those that are still here after northern Israel was carried away, we're going to talk about some of them, but I've got to go back up here. You see where it says Azariah or Azariah, however you want to pronounce it. You see that on the right-hand side of the page, Azariah. Well, it says right under it, Uzziah. Azariah was another name for Uzziah. U-Z-Z-I-A-H. Uzziah and A-Z-A-R-I-A-H. Same man. Now, the reason God would call him, Azar- call him Azariah in Second Kings because you had a prophet in Second Kings by the name of Azariah. So, well, actually, in when you get into into Chronicles and into Isaiah, you're going to have Azariah, one of the prophets. So he had to differentiate in the books. I'm going to get to this later. When you read a prophet, he was, most of them were living during the times of the kings. So you got to look at the books of the kings and Chronicles and then look at uh, the prophet that was prophesying during their time. I'll explain that later. Now, I want us to go over here to Second Kings, the 15th chapter. I'm not going to say much about his father, Amaziah. A-M-A-Z-I-A-H. A-M-A-Z-I-A-H. Or Amaziah. They probably pronounced it Zia. Now look over here in First Kings. I mean, excuse me. Second Kings 15. Second Kings, the 15th chapter. All right. Second Kings 15. Now the 14th chapter is going to tell you about Amaziah, but I've got more to say. Amaziah was the son of Joash. You remember Joash? Does anybody remember Joash? Amaziah was the son of Joash. Who was who was uh, the woman that tried to kill all the seed royal of Israel? Athaliah. She killed all of the seed royal. When it says seed royal, it means anyone who could inherit the throne whether it was Athaliah's children under Jehoram. And her son that had died, uh, that had died just before that, you can see his name here. Uh, You got uh, Athaliah, and her son was Ahaziah. A. H-A-Z-I-A-H. When he died, and when her husband Jehoram died, she went out and killed all the people that could inherit the throne, and she missed that one. 
Well, he had a son. His name was Amaziah. And that's what the 14th chapter is about. I'll probably come back to him, but I want to get into Uzziah. Uzziah was a very interesting king. Look here in 2 Kings, the 15th chapter. In the 27th year of Jeroboam, king of Israel. Now, Jeroboam, what, we're not talking about the Jeroboam. We're not talking about Jeroboam that brought in the golden calf into Israel. I've told you all about him. He's this Jeroboam. There's a Jeroboam down here. You come down here. Well, I'm looking. Here he is. Jeroboam the second. That's what it's talking about right there. So you got to separate him. Anytime it mentions this Jeroboam, it will say Jeroboam the son of Nebat. When it just says Jeroboam, it's talking about Jeroboam the second. And Jeroboam the first was the guy that brought golden calf into Israel. Uh, I'm not going to go through that story again. We've got that last week's messages. Now, let's, con let's read here in the 15th chapter. In the 27th year of Jeroboam, king of Israel, Azariah, the son of Amaziah, king of Judah, began to reign. But we're going to find out later, there's something you won't understand unless I explain it to you, unless you've studied your brains out on these kings. Let's read on. Sixteen years old was he when he began to reign. Talking about Amaziah. And he reigned two and fifty years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Decolia of Jerusalem. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Now you're going to see these kings. It's going to say he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Or he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. Well, that doesn't mean the guy was without sin, because Azariah wasn't without sin. But he did that was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah had done. What's amazing me, most of the guys of southern Judah were doing right, most of them. Not all of them completely right. And it would start in on the men in northern Israel, they're the ones that broke away from southern Judah due to some bad advice that Rehoboam took from his teenage friends. Save that the high places were not removed, the people sacrificed and burned incense still in the high places. Now you won't understand this next verse unless I go into Second Chronicles. Anytime you're reading something in the books of the kings, first and second kings. You need to read first and second chronicles, the corresponding chapters. These are all books of the kings. The Jews said first and second Samuel. First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles. These are the books 
of the kings. I kind of set these apart because First and Second Chronicles will repeat some of the things here. Now, this verse here that I'm going to read, you're not going to understand unless you go to Second Chronicles at all. Let's just read it. And the Lord smote the king. He smote Uzziah. Why? Well, it's not going to say here in Second Kings. He smote the king so that he was a leper unto the day of his death and dwelt in several in a several house. And Jotham, the king's son, was over the house, judging the people of the land. And the rest of the acts of Azariah, or Uzziah, and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah? Well, you're going to have to go over here to Second Chronicles to find out why God struck Uzziah or Azariah with leprosy. And God had a reason for doing it too. And it was a very valid reason. Look over here in Second Chronicles 26. This is going to tell you exactly why. Second Chronicles. And you have to go to the you, if you get used to understanding what's in the chronicles some things will be in the chronicles that won't be in kings that's it's the same way with Matthew Mark Luke these are synoptic gospels and they'll have a if you're reading something in Matthew you need to read it in Luke and Mark You've got the demoniac so-called. You got him in Matthew 8, Mark 5, and Luke 8. And you got to read all those chapters because in Matthew, he's talking to two men. He's talking to one, but there's two men that are possessed with devils. And only one of them he cast out, whatever it is, which is self. Now look here in the twenty-fourth twenty-sixth chapter of Second Chronicles, twenty-sixth chapter. He's going to give you a lot of these other kings working their way up. You'll, it'll talk about Amaziah in the twenty-fifth chapter. Now let's go here to the twenty-sixth chapter, verse one. Now during this time period, during this time period is when Isaiah was prophesying. So you're going to have to look in the book of Isaiah, Uzziah, in the sixth chapter of Isaiah to see his whole story. Let's read here. Then all the people of Judah took Uzziah, Azariah, Azariah, who was 16 years old, that's what, that's what it says over in Second Kings, and made him king in the room of his father Amaziah, who was the son of Joash. Remember that? He built Eloth, restored it to Judah. After that, the king slept with his fathers. Sixteen years old was Uzziah when he began to reign. And he reigned fifty and two years in Jerusalem and did some of the most fantastic works that ever done by any king in Jerusalem. He laid out aqueducts, made wells, made it where they could live a more, quote, modern life. 
His mother's name was Jecholeah, the same thing it said over there in Second Kings. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah did. And he sought God in the days of Zechariah. That's not the Zechariah at the end of the Bible. The next to the last book in the Bible is Zechariah. This is another Zechariah. You've got to separate them. Who had misunderstanding in the visions of God. He had understanding in the visions of God. As long as he sought the Lord God, made him to prosper. And he went forth and warred against the Philistines. This is Uzziah. And break down the wall of Geth and the wall of Jebna and the wall of Ashdod. Now, Geth and Ashdod are Philistine cities. Philistia, or the land of the Philistines, is on the southwestern border of Israel. It's the same thing that we call the Gaza Strip. See if I can find a picture of it. All right. Well, I'm looking for the Gaza Strip. It's this little... I don't have a real good picture of it. If this is Israel... If that's Israel, the land of Gaza where Ashdod and Gath were. Goliath was a champion of Gath. That's one of the cities of the Philistines. This is the Gaza Strip. Gaza Strip. Or, it's the land of the Philistines. Or, it's also the land of Anak. When they were out wandering in the wilderness, God said, go into Anak and destroy Anak, and they were down here at uh, Kadesh Barnea, and they went in and murmured against God, and God said, you have to wander in the wilderness for 40 years just for your murmuring. Then he says, And he sought God in the days of Zechariah the prophet, who had understanding in the visions of God, and as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. And he went forth and warred against the Philistines, and broke down the walls of Gath, one of the cities of the Philistines, the wall of Jebna, the wall of Ashdod. That was Ashdod where they captured the Ark of the Covenant in the third chapter of First Samuel. And they carried away, and God hit the Philistines with emeralds. They put it in their temple over there in Ashdod, and God would have the statue of Ashdod fall down, his head come off, his arms off, and then he hit them with emeralds. That's not hemorrhoids. Emeralds was something so bad that it killed them. And built cities about Ashdod and among the Philistines. And God helped him. Who is him? Uzziah. Azariah. Against the Philistines and against the Arabians that dwelt in Gerbal and the Menhumims and the Ammonites gave gifts to Uzziah and his name spread abroad even to the entering in of Jerusalem. Now you're going to have a lot said about Uzziah in 
Second Chronicles. Not hardly anything said about him in Second Kings. For he strengthened himself exceedingly. Moreover, Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate, at the valley gate, and at the turning of the wall fortified them. And he built towers and deserts and digged many wells. And he had much cattle both in the low country and in the plains and husbandmen also and vine dressers in the mountains and in Carmel. For he loved husbandry. Husbandry. You remember the Greek word husband? Does anybody remember that? Huh? Well, that's the one here. But I like the word husbandry in the Greek. Uh, you remember that? In the Greek, it's the word Georgios. G E G. Georgios. G O R G I O S. Georgios. It's a construction of gay, G E, meaning soul, and ergon, E R G O N, which is the common work, labor, or tiller. It means a tiller of the soul. That is the word husband. Or husbandry. And here it's the word adama, and it means redness of ground. Then verse 11 Uzziah had, the, had an host of fighting men, went out to war by bands according to the number of their account, by the hand of Jael, the scribe and Messiah, the ruler, under the hand of Hananiah, one of the king's captains. He's doing a great job leading Israel, conquering the enemy. But he gets a big head in his old age. That's what a lot of them did. It's kind of like Asa. Remember Asa last week? He got the big head in his old age. And the whole number of the chief of the fathers of mighty men of valor were 2,600. And under their hand was an army, 300,000 and 7,000. So there's 307,000 and 500. 300,000, 307,000 and 500 that made war with mighty power to help the king against the enemy. And Uzziah prepared for them throughout all the host of the shields and spears and helmets and habergeons those were a breastplate corset for going into battle made of metal and bows and slings to cast stones and Uzziah made in Jerusalem engines invented by cunning men this guy was one of the most progressive kings ever in Israel to be on the towers and on the bulk horse to shoot arrows and great stones withal and his name spread far abroad for he was marvelously helped till he was strong he was obeying God and then pride enters in when he was strong his heart was lifted up to his destruction he got proud said I can do anything 
For he transgressed against the Lord his God, went into the temple of God, temple of the Lord, to burn incense upon the altar of incense. What? He's of the tribe of Judah. Who gets to go in and offer sacrifice on the altar of incense? Who can do that? Can anybody tell me who does that? You had to be a Levite to do that. And in order to go into the temple and here and offer the blood offering on this Ark of the Covenant in here and to, and to light the fire on this altar of incense, you had to be a son of Aaron. You could not be of the tribe of Judah. No way. Even Aaron's brother Moses couldn't have done that because you had to be of the seed of Aaron to be a high priest. You think God's going to get upset at Uzziah for doing this? Absolutely. Now you know why Second Kings, the 15th chapter, says he struck him with leprosy. You can't just come up with your idea of what you think God will let you do in life living uh, presumptuously against the will of God. God had laid these laws down. You can't be of the tribe of Judah and go anywhere inside the temple. He just presumed he could do it because he was winning battles. And Azariah the priest went in after him. Azariah the priest. Now you see, you've got an Azariah in this chapter that's why they called him Azariah over in the 15th chapter of 2 Kings. When you get over here, they call him Uzziah because you got a priest of God that's named Azariah. Can you see that? So they had to differentiate. God had to differentiate between the Azariahs. So Azariah the priest went in after him, and with him fourscore priests of the Lord that were valiant men. And they withstood Uzziah the king. They stood up against him and said, What are you doing in here? You got no business in here. But I'm proud. I've been winning all these wars and I've made all of these aqueducts and wells and, and well, I've been doing great things for Israel. But that don't have anything to do with anything. You can't just do what you want to do because you say, I feel like doing it. And they withstood Uzziah and said unto him, It appertaineth not unto you, Uzziah. You have no business in here. To burn incense unto the Lord, but to the priest, the sons of Aaron. That's all. Nobody can come in here but the sons of Aaron. You're not. That's when you could talk back to the king back then. Have you assumed you can do stuff that you have no business doing? that they consecrated to burn incense, go out of the sanctuary. Get out of here, Uzziah. They're just ordering him around. For thou hast trespassed against God, neither shall it be for thine honor from the Lord God. Then Uzziah was wroth and had a censer in his hand, to burn incense. The only place incense was burned was inside the holy place. There's the altar of incense. 
And you had the table of showbread right here. And here's the candlesticks, brazen sea. And nobody but the high priest family could go in here. That's it. He just made presumptions. I can because I'm winning all these wars for Israel. No, you can't. Those people are talking up to him. Uzziah was wroth and had a censer in his hand to burn incense in the temple of God. And while he was while he was wroth with the priest, that's like getting mad at your daddy when he says, I told you not to touch the stove. Well, I don't know why you tell me that. I'm a little kid. I'm five years old. I know what I can do. The leprosy even arose up on his forehead. Now you know why God struck him with leprosy. You couldn't find that out in Second Kings, could you? It's not there. He was hard-headed. He was a thick head. That's what he was. Before the priest in the house of God from inside the altar of incense, and Azariah, the chief priest, they had to differentiate between him and Uzziah. So they call the writer of Second Chronicles says we got to call him Uzziah here because there's a priest named Azariah. And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked upon him, and behold, he was leprous in his forehead, and they thrust him out from thence yea himself hasted also to go out because the Lord had smitten him and people say God won't make these charismatics say God won't make you sick when you go against God you'll get sick and Uzziah the king was a leper until the day of his death and dwelt in a several house being a leper, for he was cut off from the house of the Lord. And Jotham his son was over the king's house, judging the people of the land. Now the rest of the acts of Uzziah, first and last, did Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, write? So you got to go to Isaiah. See what he had to say about Uzziah. Uzziah was very progressive. God was blessing him. He was conquering his enemies because he was honoring till he just assumed he could go into the house of God and do things his way. Have you ever done that? I think I can do this. Whether God likes it or not, I don't think God notices. The Jews are always saying, God does not see, he does not care. I'm too small in the scheme of things of the world for God to know. God knows everything you're doing. And he may not judge you today. It may be sometime in your future. And Uzziah slept with his fathers and they buried him with his fathers in the field of in the field of the burial which belonged to the king. For they said he is a leper, and Jotham his son reigned in his stead. So if you don't read Second Chronicles, you're not going to have any idea what happened to Uzziah. Look over at Isaiah 6. I'm not going to read all of this. Just read some of it. You're going to have to learn. Now, Isaiah. Isaiah 6. 
Notice that first verse. I'm going to add something to it. In the year that King Uzziah died of leprosy. <laughs> you can stick that in there, can't you? I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Uh, train is the word shul. It means skirt or bottom edge. I had a cousin out in California. i got to tell you all this. And he was... Uh, he had something brain damage when he's born and uh, he would uh, as soon as you come in he would just all over you and he had the mind of like a one or two year old and he was 24 25 at the time and we were I had a singing group and we were pulling a trailer big long trailer and had this van we pulled up and he'd come out and he'd say he'd say is that your train out there? <laughs> He's calling our our van in a. Oh no, that's our train. And uh, but he just he was funny. I'll tell you what. I'm sure he's dead by now, but he's with the Lord for sure. All right. Now let's read a little bit of this because this is interesting. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings, with two he covered his faith, and with two he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. Now this is the Trinity right here. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, three times holy, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. This is the year that Uzziah died of leprosy. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone. Isaiah said, I'm saying that. I'm undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips. I've got a filthy mouth. When you think you're good, are you better than Isaiah? If there was a righteous man in all the Bible, it was this man right here. And I dwell among the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand. This is signifying... It's showing God cleaning up his mouth. It's actually showing that he's touching his heart. That's what it's actually meaning. Having a live coal in his hands, which he had taken with tongs from off the altar, and he said it upon my he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged, Isaiah. That has to happen to our lives somewhere. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send to preach to Israel? And who will go for us? Then said I, Lord, you've cleansed my lips. Here am I. Send me. Don't say send me until God cleans up your life and your heart. And he said, Go, Isaiah. 
and tell this people, and this is quoted in Acts 13, Matthew 13, it's quoted all through the New Testament, quoted in the Romans. Hear ye indeed, but understand not. He's saying, I'm going to give Israel eyes that they cannot see, ears that they cannot hear. And see, that goes along with that first verse, Romans 11, 11. Did they merely stumble just to stumble? God forbid. They stumbled so salvation would come to the Gentiles. God's going to blind their eyes here. And see indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat. And make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they should should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and convert, and I should heal them. I don't want them. They've been so rebellious to me, Isaiah says. God says to Isaiah, I don't want them. Boy, then Isaiah asked the most unbelievable question. Then said I, Lord, how long am I going to do this? And God answered, until the cities of Israel be wasted without inhabitant, and the houses without man, a land be utterly desolate, till I empty this land with a Babylonian king, with the Assyrian kings. I'll put them under the rule of the of the Greeks and the Persians. I don't want them. I'm going to call the Gentiles. And the Lord have removed men far away. That word removed is talking about the beasts come in and carry them away. And there be great forsaking in the midst of the land, and yet in it shall be a tenth, and it shall return, and shall be eaten. And a teal tree and an oak, whose substance is in them, when they cast their leaves, so the holy seed shall be the substance thereof. He said, I'm bringing them back, in essence, is what he's saying. But it's going to be a long time after they're scattered. Now, I want us to go over to... 2 Kings 15, where we were. Now, I've told you this many times, and I haven't quite spelled it out for you in the Scripture. 2 Kings 15. You've got to read all of Kings, all of Chronicles, to know what's going on with these kings. They were all involved in Baal and grove worship. This is why God scattered them. All right. 2 Kings 15. I just want to introduce you to some of these guys. hope you can see Uzziah now. He was just like many of us. God would say, don't do that. And you say, well, I'm able to. Let me do it. He says, no, that's not, it's kind of like when he tells Elijah, when Elijah was running from Jezebel and she had, he heads off into the Negev desert and, and then he says, I'm tired, I'm, 
I don't want to live anymore. Strike me dead. God says, I've got something for you to do. Don't tell me when it's time to give up on you. I'm not giving up. You're going to keep on going till I get through with you. Now, look here in Second Kings. I have told you about this. I've never really... I've told you that God told Israel because they were a nation for 500 years under kings and he, they were under judges somewhere in the neighborhood of 375 to 400 years. 400 years under judges. And they kept going back after these Baal and Grove or Ashtaroth. Ashtaroth is a generic term for the grove or Ashtoreth when it's pronounced spelled with an E it's singular when it's spelled with an O it's plural now they were for eight over 800 years they were going after fire and tree worship and I keep telling you tree I keep telling you that God split Israel under under uh, Solomon because he allowed his wives to go after 700 of his wives, 300 of his concubines, which were a secondary wife, to go after these, to go after these idol gods. He splits Israel into two nations: northern Israel, which is the third, which is the ten northern tribes, which was called Joseph, through his second-born son Ephraim. I'll just put E-P-H. And then Samaria was also northern Israel. And southern Judah was, this was uh, Judah and Ephraim. Not a Judah and Ephraim. Judah and Benjamin. Somebody should have said something. Judah and Benjamin. Well, northern Israel was carried away. I've shown you where southern Judah is carried away by the Babylonians. And I've given you the chapters. What I'm going to do right now is show you how northern Israel was carried away captive. Let me move this over here. All right. Now, there were three deportations. Three deport. If you deport somebody, you move them out of town and send them overseas. God takes southern Judah from Israel and over into Babylon in, in uh, 605 B.C., 597 B.C., and those were peaceful deportations. You'll see that in 2 Kings, the 24th chapter. The 23rd chapter, 20, 22 and 23, that's about Josiah, one of the most righteous kings that ever lived in Israel. And then their final demise came in 586 B.C. B.C. What I want to do right now is to show you these, this happening You'll see these in the 24th chapter, these first two, 24th chapter of Second Kings. You see this 
final carrying away in Second Chronicles 36. You can also find it uh, in the 36th chapter, and then you also find it in Second Kings. The 25th chapter. And you'll find it also in Jeremiah. You've got to study Jeremiah because he was the last prophet to prophesy against Israel. So he has to be living at the end of the book of the Kings and at the end of the book of Second Chronicles. So you need to be studying Second Chronicles and Second Kings in Jeremiah, you can go to 39 through about 41, and it'll tell you the events that are happening in these chapters here. Now, what I want to show you right now, which I haven't shown you in a long time, I want to show you the first deportation of northern Israel by the Assyrian empire and you're going to find that in these following chapters take your bible and look here in this 15th chapter now we talked about azariah up in the first part of this chapter but you get on down into the chapter and you go to verse 17 you start seeing the assyrian kings coming in why are they carrying Israel away into captivity? That's the fourth judgment. Sword, famine, pestilence. And God would send those judgments over and over and over. And then finally the beast would come in. And that was Assyria, Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome. Right here in this chapter you're going to see the Assyrian kings come in. Now I gave to you last week the 17th chapter. That is the final demise of a northern Israel. That's where they are collapsed under the power of these Assyrian kings. Look here in verse 17. This is where they come in. And in time, and in nine and thirtieth year of Azariah, which was Uzziah, Azariah, king of Judah. Uzziah was the king of Judah. Now this, just because it says God sent uh, this, this leprosy on him and he dies, it says that in the fifth verse. Let me explain something that they do. A lot of times they would say this happened here and then they'd go back and explain it. I think you do that, don't you? Don't you say, well, I went to the store, and when I went to the store, I went down the bread aisle, and I saw this and that. You'll explain what happened. They're explaining what happened here with before Uzziah died. In the 9 and 30th year, verse 17, Azariah, or Uzziah, king of Judah, began Menahem, which is on your, that's on this paper I gave you. And you can match up when Azariah 
Menahem was down here, right down at the bottom. He's, he's ruling in northern Israel when Uzziah or Azariah is ruling here in southern Judah. Can you match those up? Can you see that? All right. And he did that which was evil. This is Menahem. In the sight of the Lord, he departed not at all, not all of his days from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. We said what that was about last week, didn't we? Y'all remember that? Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, the first Jeroboam at the top of your, at the top of this. He's the one that brought golden calf into Israel. And pull. Who in the world is pull? The king of Assyria came against the land. This is where they start. This was approximately, whenever I tell you that southern Judah was, northern Israel was carried away in 722, these Assyrian kings were attacking Israel for 10 years from seven from 732 to 722. Here's the first king attacking Israel right here. And he's attacking Menahem of northern Israel. And pull, some people say pull was a short, was a nickname for Asher Bana Pool Asher Bana Pool or Nabo P U L A S S E R Nabo Pulazer or Tiglath <laughs> Tiglath Pileser, P-I-L-E-S-E-R. It's short for pill or pull. They don't know exactly which one, but they have a tendency to believe it's Tiglath Pileser. Those were fierce. You've heard me talk about the Assyrians. Assyria was the empire right before Israel, and Assyria was their capital city was on the Euphrates River, not the Euphrates, excuse me, on the Tigris River. The Euphrates and the Tigris come down through what we call Iraq, and they meet here about 100 miles north west of the Persian Gulf. That's Persian Gulf is where we had that war, that short war in the early 90s. So they come down here and Assyria ruled all of this area. The capital city of Assyria was what we would call Baghdad. They called that Nineveh back. And that's why Jonah went to Nineveh, because of the Assyrians were some of the butchering, slaughtering people. Assyrians would go in. They would attack a city. If they had 100,000 people in the city, they'd cut off 100,000 heads and stack them outside the city gate. That's how cruel they were. They're the men. They were Caucasians. Welcome to the world of reality. 
They were white people. I don't believe they were white because skin's white. That's not white. That's pinkish tan. It's not white. I believe because they worshipped the moon. One of the words for moon was Lebanon. And it meant white. I believe because the Caucasians were moon worshippers and one of the signs of the moon was the crescent moon. And that's on all the flags over there on the Turkish flag. And I could go into Babylon. But I'll just tell you this. The reason Jonah got angry at God because he didn't destroy the people of Nineveh was because he went in and he said, if you don't repent, God's going to kill everybody here in 30 days. And they repented temporarily. They didn't repent permanently because the Assyrians had a hard time doing that. And, and Jonah got mad and went down and sat down under a, a gourd and God ate up the gourd in the hot sunlight and Jonah was mad. He didn't understand why God wouldn't kill them all because he knew about their habits. The Caucasians invented, the Assyrian Caucasians invented all these American Indian methods of torture, bearing a man up to his neck in sand in a desert, pouring honey on his head and putting fire ants on him. That was an Assyrian invention, a Caucasian invention. When they brought that to, when Columbus brought that to America, we showed the American Indians how to do that. So they adopted it for themselves. They invented scalping. They invented putting a, a leather strap on a man's neck, wet, just wet this rawhide, put it real tight around his neck, lay him out in a desert, and then as it dried, he was slowly strangled to death. That was an Assyrian invention. The last Assyrians to conquer the Jews and slaughter them was a Caucasian Assyrian named Adolf Hitler. His job was to kill all those people, six million of them, so, so Israel could become a nation. All that was orchestrated by God. Now, let's go back to this. And Pul, the king of Assyria, came against the land, and Menahem gave Pul a thousand talents of silver. He was the Assyrian monarch at that time. This had to be somewhere around the first attack on Israel. That had to be around 732 B.C and that his hand might be with him and to confirm the kingdom in the hand. And Menahem exacted the money of Israel. Anybody that was a powerhouse or anyone who was, was uh, a ruling empire, they would exact taxes from you in the form of what they call tribute. That was to be your protector, to come in and take care of you in the event somebody attacked you. And they might attack you themselves. And Menahem exacted the money of Israel, even all the mighty men of wealth, and each man fifty shekels of silver, 
to give to the king of Assyria. So the king of Assyria turned back and stayed not there in the land. It was get him to the tribute was to get the king to go away. So he did. They gave him enough money that he would go away. Now, let me see. Where do I want to go to next here? All right. I had my paper out here. All right. The kings. This is the kings. Now, go over here to... Look over here. Well, I misplaced my paper. What I want to do is look at some of these guys who were... Look here in Second Kings 15, 27. 2 Kings 15 and 27. Here's the next king to come on the scene. In the two and fiftieth year of Azariah, king of Judah, Azariah is Uzziah. Only one king named Azariah, that was Uzziah. Pekah, the son of Ramaliah, began to reign over northern Israel and Samaria. So, they mention two different kings in one verse. One is in southern Judah, that's Azariah, or Uzziah, and the other is in southern Judah, or northern Israel, that's Pekah. And Pekah, in verse 28, he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. Most of those guys in northern Israel did that. He departed not from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. I told you every time you see that, that's talking about the guy that brought golden calf into Israel. In the days of Pekah, king of northern Israel, I'm just going to put it that way, came tiglath Pileser, the king of Assyria. So Pul has stepped down. And they're going to do some slaughtering here. And took Ejon and Abel Beth Meaka and Joanna, Janoa and Kadesh and Hazor and Gilead and Galilee. That's northern Israel. All the land of Naphtali. Look at this. All the land of Naphtali. And Galilee. This is Galilee all in here. So this is the Assyrian king, which is north of that. So he's coming down, and he's coming upon Israel. Why? Because they celebrated Christmas under another name. That's, if you know what this is about, it's more interesting than you think. If you just know who these people are. If I start talking about American history and George Washington on this uh, movement here with his armies it, it can get confusing unless you know something about the Revolutionary War so let's read the end of this verse and he carried them captive to Assyria he didn't just carry them captive you're going to find out later on that when these kings came in Pool or tiglath Pileser, they came in and you're going to find that this has to do with why the Pharisees hated northern Israel. When, when uh, 
Andrew came to Peter and said, We found the Messiah. This is in the first chapter of John. And Nathaniel over here in the distance, Nathaniel's other name was Bartholomew. So if you see Bartholomew and Nathaniel, same thing. And Nathaniel said, Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Are you kidding? Nazareth was considered the the septic tank of the world. Nothing good could be in Nazareth. And everybody felt that way. So Jesus came from Nazareth. He was born in Bethlehem, Judah, but he was raised in Nazareth. And the reason that the Pharisees hated northern Israel and they wouldn't set foot in northern Israel because if this is Israel here, the reason the Pharisees wouldn't come up here, if they were going up here to Tyre and Sidon, which was just north of Israel, Tyre and Sidon, which was a heathen land. They would not walk through northern Israel because when these Assyrians came through here, they not only conquered Israel, but they settled in northern Israel and they brought their gods into northern Israel. So northern Israel has a Jehovah... Baal Grove Worship So they said We're not going to go into that Godless land there They said We're not going to do that We don't believe in that They had a They got a mixed religion up there Well what did they have in southern Judah They had a mixed religion Didn't they They were Worshipping the halakha, the verbal law of the Pharisees, which was the corruption of the word of God. So they had a mixed religion, but they said, we won't go up here. So if they were going up here to Tyre and Sidon, and here's, well, excuse me, not there. This is the Dead Sea. This is the Sea of Galilee up here. They would cross the Jordan River and walk around northern Israel to go up to this pagan land. The Pharisees hated him up there. That's why Jesus, the, he preached to these heathens up here. He preached to the people up here. The woman at the well, she was up here at Jacob's well. He was always preaching to Galilee and northern Israel. And 11 of the apostles came from Galilee. Only one of them come from southern Judah. Who was that? Judah. Judas was from southern Galilee, and his father was a Pharisee. Whew. Something else. So they wouldn't go in because when the Assyrians came in, they brought their gods with them, and Jesus told the woman at the well, "You worship, you know not what. You got some of Baal and Grove, and and you got some of Jehovah, and you don't even know what God you worship." Well, let's look. Let's continue to look at this. Look here. Now you got Tiglath-Pileser. He's an Assyrian conqueror. 
Now, let's look at 29 down through 29. He carried them away captive into Assyria. This is northern Israel. He's attacking. Attacking Galilee, that's northern Israel. Attacking Naphtali, that's northern Israel. And then let's read 30. And the rest of the acts, uh, Hoshea, the son of Elah, made conspiracy against Pekah. The king of southern Judah is, or excuse me, the king of northern Israel is making war with Pekah. And Hoshea is going to come in and conquer Pekah. He'll be the last king before these Assyrians carry away. Israel into captivity. Hoshea, there he is, last king of northern Israel, the last one. And he's going to go off into captivity. So he makes war. This verse here is talking about he makes war against Pekah and he takes over the throne. He's the last king of northern Israel. Let's read some of this. And Hoshea, the son of Elah, made a conspiracy against Pekah, the king before him in northern Israel, the son of Ramaliah, and smote him and slew him, and reigned in his stead in the twentieth year of Jotham, the son of Uzziah. In the twentieth year, when this son of Uzziah had been reigning for twenty years. <clears throat> and the rest of the acts of Pekah and all that he did, behold, they are written in the book of the Chronicles. They're written in Chronicles. You want to read more about Pekah? Go to Chronicles. In the second year of Pekah of Ramaliah of Israel began Jotham, the king of Uzziah, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, to reign. Five and twenty years old when he began to reign, and he reigned sixteen years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Jerusha, the daughter of Zadok. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. This is king of Judah. Seems like the kings of Judah, most of them knew what they were supposed to do. He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, and did according to all that his father Uzziah had done. Howbeit the high places were not removed. The people sacrificed and burned incense still in the high places. And he built the higher gate of the house of the Lord. Now, I want us to look at a couple of more of these kings of Assyria that's coming in to slaughter Judah. Look over here in Second Kings. Second Kings 17. This is the chapter. Tiglath-Pileser came in in the second. It was probably the second, the second, uh, they had, 722 was the final, was the final siege of northern Israel. And 732 was the first probably where Paul was. We don't know exactly what year that Tiglath-Pileser, I'll just put Tig. Uh, we don't know what year it was, but we know the last 
of northern Israel was in this 17th chapter. 2 Kings 17. This is where the beast comes in and carries northern Israel away, completely in captivity. Why is all this happening? Israel was involved in sun and tree worship. Christmas under another name. That's why all these... That's why these guys are able to take over Israel. Now look here in 17th chapter. The 12th year of Ahaz, king of Judah. You can look on your, look on your, right here, Ahaz, king of Judah. 12th year of Ahaz. He was also called Jehoahaz. That was a common name began Hoshea, the son of Elah, to reign in northern Israel or Samaria. He's the last king on your chart here that's going to reign. He's going to be carried away by these Assyrian kings. This is the judgment of God when God said he would scatter Israel. You know why preachers can't understand that Christmas is pagan? They don't want to go through here and put these guys situations together these kings all of the books of the kings end with the total slaughter of Israel and this is one of them he did that which was evil the 12th year of Ahaz that's when Eli began to reign in Samaria northern Israel or Hoshea the son of Eli began to reign over Israel nine years and he did that which is evil in the sight of the Lord and not as the kings of Israel that were before him against him came up Shalmaneser there's another one of the kings Shalmaneser he's another Assyrian king before him was Tiglath Tiglath Pileser bore him was Pul unless Pul was Tiglath Pileser Shalmaneser these were the Assyrians that come the very end of the books of the kings is where God scatters Israel and they're scattered for 2600 years Southern Judah is not scattered till 586 B.C. under the Babylonians. They are the judgment of God until May the 14th, 1948. They are not a nation till then. Now, against him came Shalmaneser, king of Assyria, and Hoshea became his servant and gave him presents gave him tribute money to live and the king of Assyria found conspiracy in Hoshea for he had sent messengers to So, king of Egypt Israel was playing both ends from the middle they were trying to go over here to Egypt to So, say rescue us from this most powerful army in the world I'm sorry Egypt can't do that they were always playing footsie with Egypt to Assyria, Egypt to Babylon, Egypt. And Jeremiah said, don't go to Egypt. 
if you go to Egypt and you flew to Egypt, if you if you run down to Egypt, God'll send some Babylonian soldier, some Assyrian soldier over there, and they'll kill you, and they might not even realize what they're doing, but you're going to die if you go to Egypt. God says, Go to Babylon, stay in Babylon for seventy years, and then I'll bring you home. And brought no present to the king of Assyria. This is Hoshea. He's not giving this mighty king Shalmaneser what he expects. I'm the king of the world. And therefore the king of Assyria shut him up and bound Hoshea in prison. And that's the end of Hoshea. That means northern Israel is done. Then the king of Assyria came up throughout all the land and went up to Samaria and besieged it three years. In the ninth year of Hoshea, king of Assyria took Samaria and carried Israel away into Assyria. This is 722 B.C. I've said that now. Now let's look at this last king that's going to come along. The last Assyrian king is kind of pitiful. Go to the 18th chapter. 18. Here's the last king of Assyria that's going to come and carry northern Israel into captivity. The ten northern tribes are getting going captive. Look here in i got to read one verse to you about Hezekiah. At this point, Hezekiah is king of southern Judah. The Assyrian kings are coming in. The Assyrian kings are coming in to carry northern Israel captive. It is not time, and southern Judah is not going into captivity. Not yet. This is in 722 B.C. Northern Israel goes captive. There is no more northern Israel as of that date. And as of the last king, Sennacherib, as of this king right here, there is no more northern Israel. It's done. And we're going to see him right here. And you'll find him in Second Kings. But before we do, while this is going on, southern Judah is being ruled, is being ruled by Hezekiah By Hezekiah, the king of Judah. Truly one of the most righteous kings that ever lived. And the Bible says so in this chapter. It tells you about him in verse 5. Chapter 18? Huh? Chapter 18? Chapter 18 is going to tell you about... Now, it's not time for Israel to go into captivity. They won't go into captivity until 586. They've got to have a bunch of other kings get wicked on them. It'll be the son of Hezekiah 
that really this is the man Hezekiah was a wonderful man his son was Manasseh and he is one of the most wicked kings that ever lived and I thought God should put him in hell the first time I read about him in 2nd Kings I thought boy he should go to hell but I read 2nd Chronicles and it says he converted when he was carried off into captivity you can't depend on one of these books you got to depend on all of them here's what here's one of the greatest things that's ever said by the Bible about any man this is being said about Hezekiah verse 5 he trusted in the Lord God of Israel so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah nor any that were before him for he clave to the Lord and departed not from the following from following him and he gave his commandments which the Lord commanded Moses he was beloved of God now Look at this Sennacherib, the last king of Assyria. This is in 722. He presumes to do something that he can't do. You cannot presume. God called him against northern Israel. And he said, well, as long as I'm conquering northern Israel, I might as well go ahead and run down to Judah and get them only problem is he had Hezekiah righteous king and he had Isaiah righteous prophet Isaiah one thing you don't do you don't attack Hezekiah and Isaiah if you've got nuclear warfare you don't attack them at all that's as righteous as you get And he presumes to go down here in 722 and attack southern Judah. God says, no, you're not. And he has a mighty army. Look here. I'm going to introduce you to Sennacherib. Sennacherib, 1811. And the king of Assyria did carry away Israel unto Assyria and put them in Halah and Harbor by the river of Gozan in the cities of the Medes. The Medes was northern Babylon because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord their God but transgressed his covenant. That's why they're being carried away. Whether Sennacherib knew that or not is not the point. The point is God has moved upon his heart to carry him into captivity. All because of Christmas. Under another name. But transgressed his covenant and all that Moses the servant of the Lord commanded and would not hear them nor do them. Now in the 14th year of King Hezekiah of southern Judah did Sennacherib king of Assyria come up against the fenced cities of Judah. He is not, he, God hasn't called him to Judah. So he thinks he's going to give Judah what for as long as he's conquering northern Israel. No sir, don't you bet on that. 
And this entire rest of this chapter is Sennacherib's threat of what he's going to do to southern Judah. And it's in the wrong century. And Judah has not transgressed to the point that God says, I'm not going to listen to you. There's one other king that God comes up and says is one of the most righteous kings. That is Hezekiah's great-grandson. Hezekiah has a son, Manasseh. He converts when he gets carried off to Babylon. He's got a son named Ammon. He's wicked. Very little is given to him, and he never converts. And Ammon has got a son named Josiah. And you're going to find Josiah in 2 Kings 22 and 23. Now that's another story in itself. I'll tell you that later. How much time to have, Mike? 12. I may, through this whole chapter here, in Isaiah 36 and 37, since Isaiah is the prophet at the time that Hezekiah is the king of southern Judah, you go to the 36th chapter and 37th chapter of Isaiah, and he tells you all about Sennacherib's threat. He says all through this chapter, look at verse 17, the king of Assyria, Sennacherib, sent Tartan and Rabsaris and Rabshakeh. Rabshakeh means chief butler. A butler wasn't a guy that answered the door. He was the wine taster for the king. He was the closest to the king because if he tasted the wine and it was poison, then the king wouldn't drink of the wine. Butler always meant a wine taster. From Lachish, that was the city where they were coming from, to King Hezekiah with a great host against Jerusalem. Here is here is the armies of the Assyrians outside of Israel. Hundreds of thousands of them. And here's this little sleepy town of Jerusalem. And all they have, all they have to defend them is Hezekiah and Isaiah. They were a war, a nuclear warhead in themselves. <laughs> you attack them, what you're attacking is the living God when you attack these two. So he threatens all who all through here. Rakshak of verse nineteen said unto unto them, Speak ye now to Hezekiah, you go tell your king. They're upon the wall of Jerusalem. You go to tell your king Hezekiah. Thus saith the great king, Sennacherib. Boy, what a godless bunch of people they were. The king of Assyria, what confidence is this wherein you trust? You say, I have counsel and strength for the war. And now in whom do you trust, Israel? Boy, he was insulting that you rebel against me. You can't rebel against me. We're too big. Look at us. 
We are powerful. We're running over the world. Now behold, thou trustest upon the staff of this bruised reed. Even upon Egypt, they can't deliver you from anything. And he was right. They're not trusting on Egypt. They're trusting on the living God. On which if a man lean, it will go through his hand. You might as well be leaning on a spindly reed to lean upon the king of Egypt. We'll slaughter him overnight. And Pierce said, so is the Pharaoh king of Egypt unto all that trust in him. And if you say unto me, we trust in the Lord our God, is not that he whose high places and whose altars Hezekiah hath taken away? Yeah, that was good. And has said to Judah and Jerusalem, <coughs> you shall worship before this altar in Jerusalem. Now therefore I pray thee, give pledges to my Lord King of Assyria, and I will deliver the two thousand horses that thou shalt be able to, on thy part, to set riders upon them. He was probably lying to them. And this is the Rabshakeh talking. You always got to notice who's doing the talking. How then wilt thou turn away the face of one captain of the least of my master's servants? You can't even whip the least men in our army, much less the army. On Egypt for chariots and for horsemen, am I now come up without the Lord against this place to destroy it? The Lord said unto me, now I don't know what he's talking about, his Master, the Lord, Sennacherib, or the living God, go up against this land and destroy it. The Lord did have him do that. Then said Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah. Hilkiah was the high priest in Israel at this point. And Shebna and Jonah. Unto Rabshakeh, speak, I pray thee, to thy servants. In the Syrian tongue, for we understand it, and talk not with us in the Jews' language in the ears of the people that are on the wall. I don't want them hearing what you're saying. Rabshakeh said unto them, Hath my master sent me to thy master, and sent me to thy master to thee to speak these words? Hath he not sent me to the men which sit on the wall? Boy, the threat he's making to them. We're going to have a siege against you. We're going to block off all. He says that in this next phrase. They're up against Jerusalem. Jerusalem's not supposed to, supposed to fall yet. This is in 722. They're not going to fall to 586. And he says, That ye may eat their own dung and drink their own piss. What is he saying? Here's what he's saying. He said, we've got you trapped. You are surrounded by the greatest army in the world. And God is the one that has this going on. But they're trying to attack southern Judah at a time before God wants them to attack. So they got, they got Jerusalem surrounded. They say, we're going to block off all roads coming there, no food, any rivers or creeks, we're going to dam them up, and you will be starving in a matter of weeks. 
and you were eating your own dung and drinking your own urine. And that's what they did. That happened all the time. Whenever they were going to attack, that was the sword coming against them. Then Rabshakeh stood and cried with a loud voice in the Jews' language and spake, saying, Hear the word of the great king of Assyria. <laughs> this guy is some kind of smart, smart aleck, isn't he? Thus saith the king, Let not Hezekiah deceive you, for he shall not be able to deliver you out of his hand. Neither let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying, The Lord will surely deliver you us, and this city shall not be delivered into the hand of the king of Assyria, because it's going to happen. This is Rabshakeh talking. Hearken not to Hezekiah, for thus saith the king of Assyria, Make an agreement with me by present, and come out to me, then eat ye every man his own vine, and every one his fig tree, and drink ye every one the waters of his cistern, until I come and take you away to a land like your own land. Except it's not time for them to go. This guy is making some great presumptions against the living God. A land of corn and wine, a land of bread and vineyards, a land of olive oil and honey, that ye may live and not die. And hearken not unto Hezekiah, your Jewish king, a righteous man of God. When he persuadeth you, saying, The Lord will deliver us, hath any of the gods of the nations delivered at his hand, out of the hand of the king of Assyria? Nobody's been delivered from us. Where are the gods of Hamath and Arphad, or the gods of Saravaim and Havna and Ava? Have they delivered Samaria out of mine hand? We've taken them. Now we're going to take you. No, you're not. And who are among the gods of the countries that have delivered their country out of my hand? That the Lord shall deliver Jerusalem out of my hand. He's, the Rabshak is talking for King Sennacherib. But the people held their peace and answered him not a word, for the king's commandment was saying, Answer him not. Hezekiah said, Don't give any comment to him. Then came Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah. These were high priests, which was over the household, and Shebna the scribe, and Joah the son of Asaph to Hezekiah with their clothes rent and told Hezekiah all that he had said. Hezekiah says, I've got to go to Isaiah the prophet. He'll have an answer for us. I'm going to try to make this short. Verse 6 of the next chapter. The servants of King Hezekiah came to Isaiah. Isaiah said unto them, Thus shall you say to your master, Thus saith the Lord, Be not afraid of the words which thou hast heard, with which the servants of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. God says, He's blaspheming me. He's got hundreds of thousands of people, army around Jerusalem, ready to attack Jerusalem because he's already conquered northern Israel and carried them away and put them in suggestion. He put Hosea, Hoshea in prison. 
And it goes into this next chapter. Hezekiah prays to the Lord in verse 15. Bow down your ear. And Lord, hear the words of Sennacherib in verse 16, which has sent him to reproach the living God. If you think you can get by with what you want to do just because you're powerful, you can't. The world cannot get by with trying to stop. If you try to stop Jim Brown, if he is the preacher of God, you're in trouble with God. If I am the preacher, and I believe I am. I just got to give you the end of this. Let's go over here to verse 32. Therefore thus saith the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come into this city. I'm going to protect this city, me. I'm the living God. He shall not come into this city nor shoot an arrow there. One of their arrows won't come here. Nor come before it with shield, nor cast a bank against it. By the way that he came, Sennacherib will go back. By the same shall he return, and shall not come into this city, saith the Lord, for I will defend Jerusalem and save it for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. And verse 35 tells you what God does. God sends the death angel Michael down into the camp of the Assyrians and he does a mess that night. And it came to pass that night that the angel of the Lord came out and smote the camp of the Assyrians, and a hundred, fourscore, and five thousand men died that night. And when they arose early in the morning, behold, these were all dead corpses. A hundred eighty-five thousand men of Sennacherib. You can't mess with God's preacher. You can't mess with Hezekiah and Isaiah. When they rose early in the morning, behold, they were all dead corpses. You can find this also in Isaiah 37th chapter, verse 36, 2 Chronicles 32 and 21, and in Isaiah 31 and 8. He's going to tell you God conquers his way. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went and returned and dwelt at Nineveh. And it came to pass, as he was worshiping the house of Nisroch, his god, that Adrimelech and Sherezer, his sons, killed him, smote him with the sword. You think God was in that? And they escaped in the land of Armenia, and Asharhaddon, his son, reigned in his stead. And Sennacherib dies. I'm out of time, ain't I? Yeah. I'm going to come back to this next week. The, all of this happened because Israel went after the Christ's mass. The mother of harlots was Babylon. 
and all these men, these hordes that Constantine brought in the church, renamed the Christ Mass, was displeasing to God to the point that he had northern Israel and southern Judah carried away. We've gone through northern Israel. I didn't get to all of it that I wanted to. I hope that will help you see the truth about Christmas. Let's pray. Father, thank you for truth. Cause us to continue this work. Let us cheer elect. Fight our battles. Only you can fight our battles. We can't do that. Thank you for truth. In Christ's name, amen.